So I wonder what our expectations are on our own lives. Perhaps you feel you've achieved lots of the expectations you had as that 18-year-old. Perhaps you've got the job you always wanted, the house you always dreamed of. Or perhaps you feel a long way off where you expected to be at this point. Maybe those 18-year-old dreams are completely different to the life that you're living now. And I wonder how you expected God to use you in your life up until this point. And whether he is using you as you expected. I was one of those people with a big plan. So my plan was to go to uni, to get a degree, to then teach a train, to then teach, to then become an educational psychologist. I had it all mapped out, it was sorted. And then my plan kind of got wrecked in the fact that I became ill at university, I had to leave early, and all of a sudden I was back at home without my plan. But God had a plan. So I was able to take up a few hours um, in a local school and then was given a job as a full-time teaching assistant there, and that led to me being able to teach some classes, to qualify as a tutor, and then yet again, the plan kind of failed a little bit. And I became ill again, and also I felt like I was living at school. I don't know if there's any teachers in the room, but you all know that feeling if you are. And so I was able to take on a job at church here part-time and a job at school as well, doing two things that I love to do. It's not what I expected to be doing right now. And my plan for my life isn't finished. And I don't know what God's got for me next, but I do know that his plans are good. And that I can trust him even when my confidence wavers. This evening, I would like to draw our attention to this. God cannot be put into a box and he doesn't fit nicely into our human expectations. So to set the scene of this passage, it tells us in a previous chapter that Jesus has left Jericho with a large crowd following him. As we follow Jesus on his entry into Jerusalem, it's a time of Passover where the Jews celebrate their liberation from slavery in Egypt. The roads would have been busy as people traveled to celebrate with friends and family. If you've ever been to church on Palm Sunday, the chances are that you'll have heard this passage and you've heard about this moment where Jesus comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, which is not what the people of Jerusalem expected because they wanted a warrior. They wanted somebody who would be able to defeat the Roman rule over them. They hungered for justice in war with a mighty prophet leading them in the battle. But Jesus comes into Jerusalem riding on a colt, a baby donkey which has never been ridden before. It's certainly not the look of majesty or splendor many of them would have been expecting. Imagine the scene, a fully grown man riding on a baby donkey. It's not exactly the picture of sophistication. But in doing this, Jesus was fulfilling the prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. It's mentioned in verse 5 as well of our passage this evening. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. What Jesus is doing in this passage here today is what scholars refer to as an acted parable. He's demonstrating the word of God, the fulfillment of scriptures, and the confirmation of himself as Messiah through action rather than story. Now is a time for Jesus to show himself as saviour. Earlier in Jesus' ministry, when Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? Peter responded, you are the Messiah. 
And Jesus told him, don't tell anyone else yet. Or another part of the Bible where Jesus heals a leper. Again, he sends him on his way, but he says, don't tell anyone. Jesus is obedient to God and knows the time has now come for him to fulfill the scriptures in this way, to reveal himself as the Messiah. So here's Jesus, riding into Jerusalem on an animal of work, not of war. He enters Jerusalem declaring humility over pride, selflessness over selfishness, gentleness over revenge, simplicity over grandeur, obedience to God over rebellion. Jesus is and was the Prince of Peace, not a mighty warrior set for revenge. I'm sure we've all got stories of when what we expected was different to what we got. I know plenty of people have stories of when they expected a great present and got something different in return. Maybe something worse, maybe something better. Or perhaps when you first got to know someone, you expected them to be or act a certain way. And actually, the more you got to know them, the more you realized that they weren't what you expected. Perhaps your expectations were exceeded, or perhaps they weren't met. The joy of knowing and loving Jesus is that he will never let us down. That although we may have expectations, Jesus will far surpass them, whether that works in line with what we thought he would do or not. In fact, he's already done the unimaginable. In this week, we remember his final days on earth before his death, and we celebrate his rising again, having defeated death and bringing us into close relationship with our Father in heaven who loves us. Carrying all our sin and shame in loving sacrifice so that we could have eternal life with God. We're covered by grace and by love and nothing we will ever do will separate us from that. The fact is that God surpasses all our expectations. We cannot put him in a box. By doing so, we're limiting in our own human minds what the creator of the whole universe can do. Instead, we must trust him, that he knows what he's doing and that his plans are good. Jesus blows our expectations out of the water. The crowd expected a king who would overthrow the Romans. Instead, they got a king who submitted to the Romans, suffered and died on a cross. But they also got a king who was raised back to life again, who declared victory over sin and over death, and who gave us the greatest gift of all in making a way so that we could be close to our Father in heaven. The crowd's shouts of Hosanna became shouts of crucify him only five days later. How quick they were to reject Jesus, persuaded by those around them. To go from laying down their coats on the ground, shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, to insistent demands to crucify Jesus. In the passage in Matthew, it says that the crowds were in uproar. These may well have been the same people that followed Jesus from Jericho, that welcomed him into Jerusalem. We wonder how people can swing from one opinion to the other so quickly and so fervently. And yet, how many times do we go along with the crowd? How many times is it easier for us to follow with what the world does, to forget about the one who made miracles and who taught us how to live in love? Instead, to get caught up in the shouts of anger and hatred with those around us. How quick they were to reject Jesus, persuaded by the shouts of those around them. And how quick they were to reject Jesus, knowing he did not fulfill their human expectations. 
Hosanna in Hebrew means save. They were calling out for a savior, thinking that they would be delivered from the Romans, but they didn't see the bigger picture. That Jesus didn't just come to save them from the Romans. He came to save them from all their sins. He came to save us from all our sins. That those cries of Hosanna would become a shout of praise as generations after them across the world would begin to grasp that magnitude of that beautiful sacrifice that happened on the cross. Which meant freedom not from Roman rule, but freedom from all our sins. Freedom for all people who choose to love Jesus. What are we expecting from him? Are we expecting transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit? Or are we expecting God to fit into our human understanding, our human expectations, and foregoing that freedom found in Jesus because like the crowds, we are quick to decide that we know what's best. We don't want to miss what God's doing here on earth because our expectations are in the wrong place. Imagine if some of that same crowd that worshipped Jesus on Palm Sunday were with him right up until his death, helped carry his body from that cross, put him in the tomb. And then when they saw Jesus again when he rose from the dead, they knew that they had stood by Jesus' side and trusted him even when things seemed out of control. What a different testimony those guys would have to say. We may not always understand what God is doing. There's a great quote which says that faith does not make us safe, but it does make us incredibly secure. We believe in a trustworthy God, a good God, who is deserving of our worship, whether he's doing what we thought he would do or not. God did the unimaginable, breaking down all human expectations. Do we dare to expect that God can do the impossible in our own lives and across our own world? I'd like to just spend a bit of time in prayer as we invite the band back up. God, I just thank you that you are fundamentally and perfectly good. God, I thank you that your plans are good even when we can't see them. I thank you that despite all human expectations, God, that you can do the unimaginable. God, I thank you for the cross. I just pray that we would be guided by you alone. Holy Spirit, that you would dwell among us richly, that we would be walking and working in your spirit, in your strength. Amen. So we're going to have a time of response now. There's a couple of things that are going to happen in this time of response. This is our time of waiting in the service. We'd love to just make space for the Holy Spirit to move. The Holy Spirit is already here, but it's great to just make that space. There's an option, if you'd like to, to come to the front. Um, We've got the cross here. You can take a palm cross. Maybe you want to spend some time just at the foot of the cross. There's freedom to just come and kneel there. We're also going to have a time of communion led by Claire as well in this time. Feel free to respond however you feel God is calling you at this time.